Good morning. Um, be careful what you write on that connection card. <laughs> um, obviously, this is my well second time doing this since I did it an hour ago. Um, but I would just want to talk to you a little bit today about something the Lord's laid on my heart over the last few months. I've been talking with JJ. For those of you that don't know, my name is Tony, Tony Boswell. I've been coming here for a little over nine years now. Uh, and have had some tremendous spiritual growth over the last nine years due to the people that you're sitting with today and, and some, some increased faith in God. Um, for those of you that don't know, our former pastor, Tim, we're cousins. Uh, I'm a little older than him. We won't get into that. Uh, but... Uh, I ran into him at a wedding a few years back. I had, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. I was raised in church. My mom and dad were divorced when I was very young. She remarried when I was six to a good man. Raised me well, gave me a good home, took really good care of me. Um, they were, they raised me in church. We were in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Sometimes we stop by on Tuesday or Thursday just to see if somebody needs to be prayed for. Um, but to top it off, they had a gospel singing group. So they were on the road singing throughout Florida, Georgia, Alabama, usually every Friday and Saturday, and sometimes on Sunday afternoon for homecomings. So it's safe to say that from 6 to 18, I was in church on a pretty regular basis. I graduated high school. Came back here to go to college. Made up my mind right then and there that I'd been to church enough to last a lifetime and I was never going back. Never said that out loud to my mom because I knew it would break her heart. Wasn't a bad person. Didn't get into drugs. Didn't get into anything terrible. I just was a little rebellious. A little wild. Drove kind of fast. A lot. Uh, so... There were some years of that. I had a, a marriage that failed. Got two great boys out of it. Didn't raise them in church. I regret that. I, I really wish they had the background that I had. They did spend some time in North Florida with my mom and my stepdad, so they, so they had some exposure. But they didn't have the foundation I had that I needed on that day that I ran into Tim. So we're at a wedding. Tim walks up. I hadn't seen him in probably two years. And he explains to me that he's pastor of a small church in Winter Haven. He'd like me to come visit. It was at the time when, I don't know how many people here remember, but it was still First Baptist Church, Danfield Village. Pulpit was gone. Weren't wearing suits. That was kind of cool. The piano was actually up here in the middle. And I said, I'll check it out. I didn't come the next day. The wedding was on Saturday. I didn't come the following day because I had a golf game. And as anybody that knows me at all, you know I love golf. Golf on TV. Uh, putt, putt. Golf. Love golf. Uh, so the following Sunday I come to church, and one of the things up on the screen was golf tournament, three weeks. Well, I'm coming for three weeks, so I can play in that tournament. 
So I did. But a funny thing happened in those three weeks. I gave my life to God for real. And I went through some changes. I went through some good times. I went through some bad times. But through it all, this church and my family, my church family, and my family that take up that section were with me. And I'm just very thankful for that. So I'm going to tell you a couple little stories. I'm going to read you some scripture. I'm not a preacher. I don't aspire to be a preacher. Um, It's funny, I have an uncle sitting back there that the Bible says seek wise counsel, and he's probably the wisest I know, so he's who I go to. And I was struggling with work a a while back, and we had breakfast, and he said, maybe the Lord's calling you to preach, and I laughed at him. But I told J.J. about it. And he, you know, we had a big chuckle. And we were at lunch later on, and I told him a little bit about what I'm going to tell you. And a little bit later on, he called me, and he said, I think that ties into something. Will you share it? I said, "Uh, I don't know. I'll pray about it. So I prayed about it, and here we are. So bear with me. Please pay attention to the message and not so much the messenger. Um, I talked too long my shut down as we as we grow we, we, we go through some tough situations God God has a funny way of knowing it's not really funny but God knows what we can do what we can bear and what we can go through um as I began to grow in my faith here, I got into a family group, another family group. Later on, I met my second wife. We got married. Uh, we got into a family group together. We were in that for a while, and then Chris asked us, how about leading a group in your home? And uh, we, were, we were beginning an FPU group, Financial Peace University, which is, is Jimmy knows is very dear to my heart as, as it is his. It's a passion. Uh, helping, helping people do better with their money so that they can do more for God is just an amazing feeling. Um, so we led an FPU group, and, and anyway, we led a few groups, and we still are. And we get a tremendous blessing from those groups. There's, there's quite a few people sitting in here today that have, have been in, in groups with Pam and I that have gone on to lead or host and we're very proud of that. We, we feel like there's spiritual growth in the church, and we're a part of that, and we want to be a part of that. So I told you that to tell you this. Uh, you need the support of your family and your church family because there's going to be some tough times out there. Uh, June of 2009, I'm driving down the road. My phone rings, and it's my, my dad. And he, normally it's, when he called, it was, you know, this, 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 got to go by. And the first words out of his mouth were, where are you? And I told him where I was. And he said, so you're driving? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, pull over, I need to talk to you. So I pulled over. 
and he informed me he had cancer. And I just began to cry. Couldn't, didn't even know where to turn, what to do. Um, so what, what are we going to do? And he said, well, well, I have a daughter's appointment. I'd like you to go with me. So we go to this doctor, and they tell us that bladder cancer. It's isolated. It's treatable. The prognosis is good. Here's what we're going to do. And they lay out this plan. You're going to have this radiation treatment on this date, this date, this date, this date. For 12 months, you'll be cancer-free, and you can go on with your life. Praise God, right? About eight months into this, every time I go to get him, he's walking a little, a little, little more hunched over, complaining of pain in his hip to the point where he's walking with a cane. My dad was one of the strongest men I knew, and he's walking with a cane, 65 years old. Go to the doctor and tell him, hip hurts. Well, let's get your cancer squared away, and then we'll take care of that hip. We'll fix it. What they didn't realize was that in the three weeks between here's what we're going to do to beginning what we're going to do, the cancer had metastasized from his bladder to his hip. So for nine months, it was eating him alive. And they're treating one little section. It wasn't long after that, we were back in the hospital to stay. My dad was cutting up, laughing. Made some jokes with my wife that <laughs> just were very funny and, and he had a great sense of humor and he was happy. Uh, I struggled with, I didn't know where my dad was going to spend eternity. I never had the courage to ask the question, are you right with God? I didn't feel like it was my place as his son, I think. I was wrong. But I really think that's, I, I didn't know if he would accept it from me. Um, a couple of weeks later, it was like somebody flipped a switch. He went to sleep. And, I mean, he, he, he didn't pass away. He just went to sleep. You could talk to him. He'd squeeze your hand. He'd blink. But you still don't know if he really understood what you were asking him or if it was just a reaction. Moved him to hospice. I sat by his bed, held his hand, cried and prayed. Um, Two-part prayer. I asked God to give me the opportunity to confront my dad about his faith. And if he wasn't going to do that, to give me the answer that I was looking for so that I could have peace. That's selfish. That's very selfish, but I just, I wanted to know that my dad was right with God. A couple of days later, I'm sitting in his room, I'm on the couch. For some reason, I was the only one there with him. I, 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 that was very rare, but I was the only one there with him. A friend of his walks in that he'd known for years. He walks up to the bed, he looks down, and he rubs his arm, says something to him. And I'm, you know, hoping my dad will open his eyes or smile or something. And then the friend just immediately stops and looks at me and says, we need to talk. So I get up, we excuse ourselves, we walk outside. 
And he said, I don't know why, but I felt like I had to come here and talk to you today. Two days earlier, three days earlier, whatever, he had gone to the hospital with his pastor to visit my dad while I was working. My dad asked to speak with the pastor alone. The friend left the room. 20 minutes later, the pastor came out and said, that man's ready to meet God. I tell you, there's nothing like knowing that what we're doing and what we're going through is going to get us to the end and we're going to have eternal life. And there's nothing like knowing that those that have gone on before us, that's where they're going to be. My dad's healed today. He's not healed in the way we prayed for, in the way we wanted. But he's healed. So, moving forward, that was late 2010. My mom had a couple of knee replacements, which she attributed to wearing out her knees praying for me. Uh, Then she began to have some trouble with her back. And they did a couple of operations. They even tried some experimental things. And... You know, we were praying for a recovery, but she just kept seeming to get worse. And in the back of our mind, we kind of felt like it was bad and they just weren't telling us. We didn't know. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember a lot of things like it was yesterday. I guess yesterday was pretty busy. Um, It was six months to the day from the day we buried my dad. My phone rang and it was my stepdad. He's sitting back there. He made the trip down to hear this (laughs) Um, and he said your mom has cancer the difference the difference was I knew where my mom was going she was going to bust the doors down and take over (laughs) eight weeks later we lost her mercifully it was quick it wasn't a whole lot of suffering. I mean, she suffered, as, as they do. Pam and I made that three-hour trip, I don't know how many times over those eight weeks, but there was a peace in that car. There was a peace when we were there. There was a peace when we were here and praying because we knew, we knew where she was going. The reason I tell you that is I never could have made it through all of that uh, that's that's pretty stressful six month period. Without my church, my pastor, the staff, the family group that I was involved with at that time, it was huge. <sighs> Sorry. So, that being said. What I'd like to talk to you about today is faith. Uh, I believe I'm a man of faith. I don't know where it came from. don't know how I got it, but boy, I'm glad I do. Uh, I'm in sales in the construction industry, so I deal with a lot of different types of folks. Uh, Pam and I, we do a devotion every morning. We pray, read our Bible. Part of our prayer almost every morning has to do with God let let people see you through us. And since we don't get to see our kids every day, we ask also 
that God puts somebody in their lives that they can see him through. That being said, I'm standing in a customer's office a couple of weeks ago. We'd never I've known, I've known the guy for 15 years. We've never had a theological discussion. I, you know, I, I don't, I want people to see I'm a believer, and if they ask me, I'll talk to them about it, but I'm not overbearing, and I'm not going to just knock somebody's door down or, or try to shove anything down their throat. So we're, we're standing in his office talking. He had some issue with his lights I was trying to help him with. And I look up, and there's a wooden plaque on the wall that's engraved. It's very intricate, very nice, beautiful plaque. And the engraving is James 1.12. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who loved him. Now that's just Scripture telling you exactly what I just told you for the last five or eight minutes or however long it's been. We just have to believe, have faith, and remain steadfast no matter what we're going through. And in the end, our faith is going to sustain us. The more faith we have, the bigger our faith gets, the more we grow spiritually, the stronger we get, the stronger we get, the stronger our church gets, and then our church grows, and we have to build a big new building hopefully one day. <laughs> when, uh, when I began to prepare for this, J.J. gave me a book written by Andy Stanley. And uh, I, I like Andy Stanley. We, we set the DVR for him for every Sunday morning, and we try to watch it. But there's a quote in that book that, that really resonated with what I'm trying to tell you today because... Andy Stanley's a little more eloquent than me. So I want to share that with you now. Uh, it goes like this. Acts of obedience allow our faith to intersect with God's faithfulness. It is at this intersection that we see God work. And when we see him work, our faith gets bigger. It's a cycle, like a wheel. The more momentum it gains, the faster it turns, the bigger it gets. But to me, I want to add a little to it. To me, faith's a wonderful thing. Faith's a great thing. But faith's only part of the equation. We need trust as well. And the reason I say that is, for example, um, everybody that has basic science knowledge knows that water is hydrogen and oxygen. You can't have water without both. Well, to me, we need spiritual water to grow. And the two elements that spiritual water have are faith and trust. You, you can have one without the other, but they're a lot better when you got them both. They're a lot better when you got them both. Um, or, or another analogy, uh, and, and again, I'm not, this isn't what I do. You want to buy lights, I'll sell them to you. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of muddling through here, but just, just bear with me. To me, another, another, another way to put it is in a grammatical sense. Uh, faith's a noun, person, place, or thing, while trust is a verb. 
an action word. Trust is faith in action. And if you got them both, you can't be stopped. You cannot be stopped. So, why did I tell you all that? To tell you this. We talk about Ridgepoint Church being a church that unchurched people love to attend, and that's a great thing. That's a fantastic thing. Um, Not too long ago, Pam and I began to struggle with had we maxed out spiritually here at Ridgepoint Church because there was so much focus on the unchurched people. We took some time off. We went to a couple different churches. Nothing really did it, so we came back. We have determined through prayer and prayer that we're to grow where we're planted. We need to grow spiritually right here. We need to become leaders in this church. A lot of you guys are new, and I get that. Um, For whatever reason you're here, that's a wonderful thing, and, and having Christ in your life and having faith... That's what this is all about. But we don't need to be a church where you come, get to a certain point, and then move on and help another church become bigger. We need to grow our church, our home, right here, right now. Something that's been on my heart. I've shared it with JJ. The church is doing great things, but we could do so much more. How? Join a a family group. Just uh, don't just come on Sunday. Interact during the week. If you're already in a family group, think about leading or hosting. It's it's a true blessing to be able to share your home and your values and your beliefs with younger Christians. And uh, I mean younger in both senses of the word because I'm probably one of the oldest guys here. Um, I just ask that you step out on faith find something you're passionate with or about and get involved in that aspect of this church if it's the kids if it's the youth if it's taking up the offering if it's sweeping the floors or coming in one day a week and helping answer the phones I'm sure JJ and Chris could use any help anywhere and I also guarantee you that if JJ or Chris ask you to do something you should really think about doing it Um, because I'll guarantee you they've prayed about it before they even asked. I know they prayed before they turned me loose up here. (sighs) Tithe. Pay your tithes. Right, Jimmy? (laughs) But above and beyond that, give. If you have something extra, give it. Send it to the team in the DR. Send it to Tim and Miranda. Give it to the kids group. Give it to the youth group. My mom, I told you a little bit about her. She said something to me about tithing many, many years ago. And I was like, I have to borrow $100 to get to next week. I can't pay tithes. But I tell you, since I've gotten right with God and I've become involved in this church, I haven't missed a tithe, but I also haven't missed a bill, and I'm in the best shape financially I've ever been in my life. I'm not rich, 
Not by any stretch of the Well, I am rich, but not physically. My mom always said, you can't outgive God. She's right. Another thing, read your Bible and pray every day. Every morning when you get up, spend some time with God before you hit the road. It'll make your day so much better. God will prepare you for whatever's out there that you're going to face. Some way, somehow, what you read that morning is going to tie into something that hits you in the face that afternoon. So, when J.J. was coaching me, he said, have a point. So here's my point. So if you don't take anything away from this other than one thing, this is the one thing I want you to get. It's our faith determines our actions and our attitudes. And as long as we have our faith, that's all you've got to remember. Our faith determines our actions and our attitudes. I'm elaborating again now. Um, but as long as we've got our faith and our trust in God, everything else is going to take care of itself. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share one more thing with you, and I'm going to let you go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a group that went to the DR was up here, and they shared their story with us. And that was fantastic. Josh back there is one of my best friends on the planet. Love him like a brother. Nothing I wouldn't do for him. And he's the same way by me. I guarantee it. I had all intentions going on that trip. Didn't work out. Just work got crazy. I didn't have time to do what I needed to do to leave town for a week. Just could not physically get it done. I wanted to go. I wanted to go badly. Just did not work out for me to go. So, put together a golf tournament, helped raise some money, helped that team get there. And they did some fantastic work while they were there, as they told us a couple of weeks ago. Fast forward to July 26th. I was playing in a golf tournament <laughs> with a customer. It was at uh, Cypress Wood out by Dundee. Called my wife as I got close to the tournament to let her know I was okay. Always do when, I'm in, when we're in the car for any amount of time. We let each other know, you know, we got to our destination and everything is good. She let me know that she was in our car on her way to her home away from home, Walmart. And I said, let me know you get there. Just send me a text and let me know you're okay. I go park my car, I go get in my golf cart, I'm lacing up my golf shoes, my phone rings, I don't recognize the number, so I don't answer. They call right back, which makes me mad. Uh, I tell my kids, if you call me and I don't answer, call right back, I know you need me, but it wasn't a number that I recognized, so I didn't, so I, I hit ignore. They called right back. I'm like, okay, this better be good. Somebody better have burnt something down. If I have to leave a golf tournament to go open that warehouse to get a breaker, I'm going to be ticked. Pick up the phone. Voice on the other end, she tells me her name. Your wife's been in an accident. 
I was able to put two and two together and realize that for her to have my number and be calling me from a phone that I didn't recognize that Pam had given her my number. So Pam was okay, but I was still very, very concerned. I asked to speak to her. I spoke to her. She assured me the light was green and it wasn't her fault. <laughs> but it was at that moment that I realized that car, it didn't matter. All that mattered was my wife. So, I'm trying to get to her, and I'm realizing where I am and where she is that it's going to be a little bit, so I'm thinking, who can get to her? She needs somebody there that she knows, somebody there that she trusts, somebody that's going to have her back, and there also needs to be somebody there to tell the cops that's her husband, because I'm coming, (laughs) and I'm getting through. So I called my aunt and uncle, Tim's parents. They're here, seeing this as well. Um, They weren't home, so... I start running through my head who can get there. Call a member of my family group. Guess what? Before we hung up the phone, he was almost to her. No questions asked, no. He stayed with her, gathered her personal things out of our car, followed the ambulance to the hospital. They were bringing her to Winterhaven. I was on the other side of Winterhaven, so I met him at the hospital. He stayed with her. She knew he was there until... He knew that she knew I was there. That's what a church family does. That is so huge, and I am so proud of that guy. That that me, Chris, JJ, we've poured into that guy, that young guy, and, and and he's pouring back. And that's what we need as a church. What I didn't tell you, had I been on that trip, I'd have been on a plane headed to the DR when that accident happened. God knows what's going on. God knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what next year holds. All you got to do is reach out and grab on and go for the ride. Just maintain your faith, maintain your trust, and just always remember our faith determines our actions and our attitudes. Let's pray.